Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 181, I Made a Lot of Devil's Bargains. This week we're discussing season 3, episode 16 of Angel, Sleep Tight, and season 3, episode 1 of Battlestar Galactica, Occupation. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. All right. Uh, Angel's going first this week. Um, And picking up kind of where it left off, um, the end of the last episode of Angel was uh, with the earthquake, um, which was prophesied by the hamburger, if I remember correctly. And... um, (laughs) That's right. And and so two things kind of happening... uh, simultaneously angel becoming a little uh kind of getting a little scary in his some of his comments you know so there's the um the earthquake that rains fire and blood and everything and he kind of has the line about well if we'd been trapped at least i would have had something to snack on um with connor um but at the same time you have wesley becoming you know more and more kind of strung out and isolated from the others and kind of sleepless. And so you kind of end on that kicker of a line and you're not quite sure what's going on. Like, is this angel making like a really unfunny joke or is this Wesley kind of projecting something onto him? Is like, it even almost seems a little surreal. Like it is even really happening and all that kind of thing. Um, so that's kind of the story that this is, picking up on um and you know kind of coming to this pushing it to this place of what's going to happen with connor is angel gonna kill the son as the prophecy says and what is wesley gonna do about it um so uh i wanted to start with angel um and kind of talk about his behavior which gets even more extreme this episode um, so, uh, you know, he's kind of, I guess, kind of in a high in the first half of the, you know, part of the episode and everything. Like, he's kind of skipping around and joking and saying, you know, being kind of very, uh, goofy and over the top for Angel. Um, you know, and, you know, Wesley says you're in a chipper mood and he says, oh, maybe it's the earthquake, but, you know, I have all this energy. God, I could drink a horse. So kind of layering in this idea of he's very up, he's very hungry, he has all this energy, he's not quite sure why. Um, and you just get, like, more and more that this behavior is kind of starting to freak out Wesley. You know, that, you know, he's not really acting like himself. He's seeming weirder and weirder. Um and, mm-hmm. you know, and even things like showing Connor, like, the cache of weapons and talking about his favorite ones and, you know, where they all go yeah. and how do we, like, you know, he's just kind of it's a little, starting to get a little almost scary. Like, almost like a little manic. Yeah, sure. Right? Like, there's a, not quite a bipolarness to it, but, like, if it if it continues to progress, like it could develop into that almost. Right. Right. Um, 
Yeah, which, you know, is coupled. So um, I think we don't really need to go into the big, long details of the kind of subplot with uh, Kim, I think her name is, and the demon band, but, you know... Oh, yeah. um, you know, yeah. the long and short case of the week, you know, she turns up and, you know, sings for Lauren and has this whole, you know, uh, episode of she, you know, is a human person who needs help as she's kind of being infected by demons who she's playing in a band with. And um, and there's some funny stuff in there and everything. Um, but, um, you know, kind of an excuse to get the plot moving a little bit. Um you know, so Wesley sends them all off, you know, which is more and more I feel like what Wesley's been doing is kind of delegating some of the, you know, task-oriented jobs to the rest of them while he stays behind, you know, either to, like, do research or kind of, you know, he's been more and more on his own. And in this case, he's kind of using it as an excuse to go off back to Holtz, which you know, the others, so he's off doing secret things that the others don't even realize he's doing. Um, right. And while they're, you know, battling this, you know, demon, uh, you know, band and everything, um, Angel's mania is getting more and more obvious, and he's kind of just, you know, going over the top and getting a, a bit more violent and, you know, all these things. Um and kind of has a, a, a crash after he gets home. Like, you know, and, and kind of in a literal way, he was acting very high, and then there's a kind of steep downfall. Um, but yeah, I guess rather than, than the kind of depressed half of the bipolar, it's more like anger and, you know, violence and everything. That he comes back and, you know... After in the morning and then the previous day, going on and on about how much he loves Connor and how wonderful he is and how his son completes him and everything, like one cry from Connor pushes him over the edge and he's sort of, you know, threatening him and throwing glasses across the room and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and much to, like you see, like Fred goes and picks Connor up and like you know, guns like you need to settle down. And yeah, there's like, it's more than just Wesley noticing it at this point. Right. Like the others are right. getting well, pretty worried about it. And too. that's a good point because, you know, I kind of mentioned that at the end of the last episode, there was some room for interpretation there of, is this even something that is really happening to angel or is it merely Wes's perception of what's going on? Like, is he the one kind of spiraling into some sort of, you know, uh, maranoia or mania or, where yeah. he doesn't really, he can't really distinguish what's really going on and, or is being corrupted or influenced by something. But this kind of does show that, no, there actually is a change going on in Angel that is perceptible by the others that, you know, when Wesley's not even there. Right. Um, well, it, and that, bizarre comment that he makes right about having something to snack on uh you know in relation to while he's holding connor yeah. like now we understand like oh okay <laughs> you know we learn that you know wolfram and hart has been spiking his blood with 
you know, the, the pig's blood or whatever with Connor's blood. And mm-hmm. that's why he smelled like food, right. you know, as Angel sort of says. And so it, yeah, it kind of brings that weird behavior and, and kind of those those things you might just sort of like be like, okay, that's kind of weird. Maybe I just don't understand what he's talking about and like might sort of dismiss it as, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But you realize like, oh, there's actually more going on here. And it's been going on maybe longer than we even realized. Right. Um, Cause you don't like when you learn that like Lila steals the blood and stuff. Right. Mm. And, and she has like the pact with Sajan or whatever. Like you don't really think like, Oh, they're going to spike angels. Blood right. You're it. not sure what you just think. Do. Yeah. 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 You just think like, okay, I mean, blood, you know, yeah, it's used in all the bad magic rituals and, like, yeah. it could be anything that they're using it for, right? Like, how many times have we seen them need blood for something or other, right. you know? Um, thinking of, like, Willow, you know, killing that little deer to bring Buffy back and that kind of stuff, you know, the fawn. Or right. Or, the, or, no, it was a doe, right? It was the heart of the mother. Or right, right. Was, you know, the, the thing. And so, you know, stuff like that where it's, like, yeah, I mean, they're not going to do anything good with it, but you're not expecting them to, like, you know, give it to Angel to drink. Right. <laughs> you know, and and do that. Um, so, yeah. I you right. know. Anyway, just, just kind of realize that, like, oh, okay, this must go back at least a couple of weeks, you know, because you've mm-hmm. got... I forget what episode it was exactly where they, where they did that, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, you've got them stealing the blood and then... Apparently, that's what they've been doing with it this whole time. Right. Right. And they don't, we, we're not aware that they know of this particular prophecy that Wesley's been translating, right? Like, they might, but they might not. And so, you know, you kind of get a sense of there's kind of unintentional fulfillment of that prophecy of they're kind of doing this just to mess with him, like anything they can do to make him angels suffer or make him hurt the people that he loves. They're going to take this opportunity, but it happens to be in a way that is very reminiscent of this, this prophecy of, you know, kind of bringing about a way in which that might happen. Um, you know, cause we talked about before, like, sure. Okay. If, if angel were to turn into Angelus and Angelus kills Connor, is that really the father killing the son? Because it's not really, angel um but this is a way that could make it be angel you know that if he becomes you know addicted enough and maybe without realizing what's happening could he be kind of you know provoked into a situation where he would actually you know bite connor um you know even in his kind of uh insold state and everything um yeah so um so we might as well talk about with uh with that i mean we talked kind of about wolfram and hart and lila's part in that but you know angel goes to you know talk to her and they have a conversation and everything um and you do kind of get that that like yeah, she's working for Wolfram and Hart, and yeah, they are kind of trying to bring about certain prophecies and make sure that Angel has a part in them. Um, but also, like, 
her just whole MO is kind of uh, screwing with him. You know, like, that's yeah. kind of what she wants to be doing. Um, which is kind of what Wolfram and Hart is doing in general, since they don't want to kill him. They want to make sure he's around to be part of this coming apocalypse, but they also want to make him suffer as much as possible. Um, sure. Well, and you get you get the sense... I mean, obviously, she's not... She's not even supposed to be doing this, right? Like, this is a sort of side project for her. Right, right. Um, right, this, this, you know, quiet deal she made with Sajan when the cameras weren't looking right. or the mics weren't on or whatever, you know, like... Which she's... Uh, not holding to, you know, because Sajan pops up and is frustrated that, you know, uh, she doesn't seem to be kind of the partner that... So Sajan keeps making all these deals with these people who, you know, want to get at Angel, and then those people go off on their own and don't necessarily stick to the plan that, you know, they had agreed. Um... And so then right. he just and keeps finding somebody else to help him. But he just doesn't... There's some mystery around Sajan in this episode, I guess. Because he apparently... Right. He keeps coming to, like, Holtz and Lila. So I guess he can't harm... Or at least he isn't harming Angel directly. Like, he kind of seems to need a partner in that to kind of, you know, make whatever the plan is work. Um, but also he kind of refuses to tell anybody what exactly is his motivation in this whole thing. And it seems to be something right. personal. Um, right. Well, he's non-corporeal, at least in this dimension. Right, right. So he, he can't physically do anything. Although, as we see at the end and we'll talk about, you know, it doesn't mean he's completely impotent like Lila sort of assumes that he is. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, he, we don't know anything really about him yet. I mean, other than, right, like, he keeps trying to make these deals and and hold people to them. But it only works insofar as, like, they align with what the other people are doing. And, like, the second his desires don't align with that, like, he's out of luck because right. he can't really force them to do anything. Um, so yeah, so the question, so his motivation seems particularly and explicitly to, to have Connor killed. Mm -hmm. Like there's not, you know, this is for whatever reason. And I don't, I mean, we haven't heard anything yet, right. From like the conversations with Holtz and, and whatnot, you know, why that is, but given given the prophecy like it seems to be that he's sort of in line with that right mm-hmm. of uh, you know the father will kill the son so either he's trying to make that happen or or he knows what will happen when that happens mm-hmm. and wants that to happen so right. um yeah we don't know the detail and and given like cuz we've been told before that like angel you know, can remember like all his victims and he can remember like, mm-hmm. you know, all the things that happened when he was a demon and whatnot, or, you know, before he had a soul or whatever. Um, 
but he doesn't remember Sao Jiao right. at all. Right. And so, so there, this isn't like he was some former nemesis or something. Like, there's just no memory there right. at all about what happened. So, uh, yeah, so just some, right. you know, uh, s- still some bits of information to seek out there, I right. guess. Right, which I guess is what leads me to think that it is something personal because I feel like if you asked him, okay, we know what he wants. We don't know why he wants it. And I feel like if Angel asked him, like, why do you want to kill my son? If it was like he's just working on behalf of some prophecy or for some higher purpose, he might say so. The fact that he's being very cagey about it is like what stands out to me of kind of like, like Mm -hmm. the very revelation of his motivation would be a giveaway of some kind. Um, Like that would be information he can't give without, you know, disadvantaging himself somehow. Um, Sure. So, you know, I mean, whether, well, that's true, I guess we'll find out, but um, you know, it seems like there's some sort of, purpose in that secrecy. Um, right. Yeah. So let's move on to Wesley. And this is kind of, I guess the real meat of the episode is kind of Wesley's decision in this. And it's interesting that they don't, say what's going to happen. You kind of have this slow creeping realization over the course of the episode. And I don't quite know like exactly at what point it hit me, like when I've, you know, realized what was going on, but it's this, this kind of awful slow burn. Um, and, uh, you know, but with all the stuff with Angel they have been kind of building up this motivation for a couple episodes of, um, you know, making Wesley more and more afraid of what's going to happen. Um, and again, like the value in secrecy, because it, it, the frustrating part is that you want to kind of sit Wesley down and have a talk with him about how going off on your own without telling the group what you're doing is never a good idea. You know, like this never works out for the better. Right. Like re- re- remember when Angel did and this like, and like fired everybody? all yes. of you? Um, <coughs> yes. um, and, but on the other hand, there is this kind of sense that uh, at least Wesley believes, you know, he would be, well, I mean, he knows Angel would never let him do it. That's basically what it comes down to. Um, it doesn't matter how dangerous the situation. He would insist that they stick together and try to figure out an answer, figure out a way to keep Connor safe, but by staying together. Um, and, you know, Wesley's convinced that that is not safe, that that's not going to end up with anything good. And so the only way to take care of it is to, you know, betray them. And there's an interesting kind of 
a parallel between these two episodes that we're talking about. Like, both of them kind of struck me as very dark episodes, obviously. But, like, mm-hmm. in both of them, I feel like there is, you know, the characters doing what they feel like they have to do, but would not just kind of, I have to survive in a difficult situation, but I have to deliberately do things that I know to be wrong, you know, in order, you know, to save somebody or to some higher purpose. Um, Yeah. You know, it's not even just that, like, well, Angel wouldn't understand, and so I have to do it behind his back. It's that I think I think Wesley knows, you know, it's not really self-sacrificial, but there's a sense in which he's kind of taking one for the team here of he'll, he's willing to be the bad guy kind of in this situation. Um, you know, because there's the lines about, like, there's enough hate to go around for me and Holtz and everything of, like, you know, he's kind of, I don't know, making his deal with, with the devil, I guess, is, as the title says yeah. and everything. Um, I mean, he, he made that deal kind of a long time ago, right? Mm-hmm. Like, metaphorically speaking. Because, like, he made the deal with Sajan and then slept for a hundred years or whatever it was, right? right. Like, that was something that he did a while back, but yeah, I mean, anyway, yeah, I'm not, I, I guess I'm belaboring the point, but sorry. No, that's fine. Um, so yeah, um, I'm trying to think of where to go next. Um, I guess it's just a very, uh, it's a very dark place to take Wesley and it's hard to see how, you know, the, the relationship can recover after something like that, you know? Um, you know, like I know we're in season three of how many seasons? Five or something of Angel. So it's sort of like, where do you take Wesley after this? You know, like how, how, you know so i just i just want i just want to re- re- recall here now my telling you a long time ago like maybe even when we first saw wesley at the beginning of buffy mm-hmm. that he his arc is one of perhaps my favorite of all of like right i do them. remember you saying that so so you know yeah the arc's not over no no but it it does and, bring it to a kind of like yeah. um place where it feels like uh i don't know like where it can go from not to say it's over it can't go anywhere but i don't know where it's going like right well and we last because he like screws up royally in this episode (laughs) and like you know i mean not only does is what he does um you know uh pretty you know, audacious in terms of his relationship with Angel, he fails, you know? Like, it doesn't even work, which is the real kicker. It's not even like, well, you did a really crappy thing, but in the best interest of everybody. It's like, 
No, he does a crappy thing and then gets his throat cut and the baby gets stolen by Justine. And so there's this kind of like terrible spiral at the end. So, yeah. And, and so a couple thoughts. Yeah. First of all, why the hell didn't he just have his luggage in his car already? <laughs> like, well, he goes home to pack and everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, come right. on, dude. Like, you know, you're skipping town mm-hmm. or whatever you're doing. Like, be ready for that. Yeah. Like, have have a bag in the car or just go and take as much money as you can and buy clothes somewhere right. else. Right. Like, like, you don't need to go stop back at your apartment, right. you know. So that's the Little one. Pet peeve, right? yeah. So that's that's stupid. Um, he should have been out of town already yeah. when all this other stuff was yeah. going out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we see him with his throat cut yeah. at the end. So, I mean, not that you know, people who die always stay dead or anything, sure. but you know, well, like what does that and, mean? And too? it was like, kind of hard to tell, like how. Like, he definitely gets his throat cut. It didn't seem like... It didn't seem like automatic instant death. Like, it seemed like maybe something that was shallow enough that maybe he could maybe recover. It was hard to tell. So I could kind of see it. I'll kind of... Right. We don't, we don't, we don't see him, like, gasp his last and shut his right, eyes. Right. And, I'll, I'll you know, buy do it. all the dramatic yeah. de- death stuff that we... Right normally right. see so i will buy it yeah in whatever I, direction they kind of i i will tell you that alexis denisoft appears in future episodes yes okay and and what in what format you know yeah and you know what his character is yeah. after you know today um so part of the other thing too that actually i probably should have had a, little, a couple of minor production notes that i could have mentioned but one of the big things here is that um this is kind of a, a mini cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Like, not just like, oh, we'll see what happens next week. Right. But there's actually a month and a half before the next episode mm-hmm. airs. So, um, originally this episode aired at the beginning of March uh, 2002, um, March 4th. And then the next episode doesn't air. Uh, there's two episodes of Buffy between there that air. But the next one... Uh, of Angel that airs is on April 15th. So there's a, a solid month and a half almost, uh, you know, between this and the next episode. So there's kind of, yeah. you know, again, like at this point in time, there were, you know, the message boards and forums and stuff that, you know, were were fairly new, you know, to like fandoms and stuff, you know, in, in the age of the internet and whatever, as far as discussing all this stuff. But but they would have been, you know, talking about this and, you know, writing yeah. and, you know, having their little theories about what's going on and did Wesley live and, you know, uh, what happens to Holt and Connor, you know, going into the portal at the end. And I know we're not there yet, but, you know, like all these little yeah. little things that are happening are all sort of that fodder for speculation over the next six weeks or five weeks or whatever it is, you know, between here and the next episode. Yeah. Um, so just wanted to mention that as well. Um, the other, the other thing is this is written by David Greenwald, who is of course, uh, you know, one of the co producer or, you know, co executive producers of the show mm-hmm. with Joss Whedon. So, you know, 
again, like when we've seen them writing, it's usually sort of these big, you know, sort of mythological, Mm -hmm. you know, stories that really drive the the overarching seasonal plot. Um, And in this season in particular, I think we even mentioned that Joss only does, I think, one episode. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Um, Anyway, so just, just kind of maybe should have brought that all up at the front end, but, right. uh, uh, yeah, Joss only does the, the one, the waiting in the wings with, right. uh, with, uh, um, the, the river. Yes. The, the ballet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. So, um, um, yeah, well, and obviously this is yeah. a big turning point for both the mythology and for the characters and stuff too. Um, right. Oh yeah. And it's, I mean, any, anything that we've thought of, like, it's not like we're angel. We, we made the illusion, you know, earlier to where like angel fired them all and was like, whatever, like, yeah. you know, it does have a different feel to that. Right. Yeah. Like there, there is some parallel in like, okay, you can say, well, angel thinks he's doing the best thing mm-hmm. and Wesley thinks he's doing the best thing. But Angel's not really, like, he's not really stabbing them in the back, per right. se, right? He's just saying, I want to be on my own. And he's kind of being upfront about it and fires them all and says, it's best if we don't work together. Yeah. Like, that's very, it's a simple message. It's open. There's nothing really complicated mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> like, like, you know, this is a lot more deceptive. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more, you know, uh uh just going off on his own um he he actively attacks Lauren mm-hmm. um you know uh which is disturbing in its own right mm-hmm. like like there's that moment of that moment when Lauren knows it's going to happen and there's that kind of pause yeah. of can I make it to the door quick enough you know like that kind of pregnant pause right. you know where it's like well and, well, and even you know crap here we go even before that, when Wesley's like going about doing his thing and then he starts humming the tune yeah. or whistling or whatever it is. And then like, you know, like he's realizing it, like as you're realizing it, watching okay. it, right? Like, like this whole realization is coming on like, oh crap, Lauren can mm-hmm. read my thoughts now. Right. And, or my aura or whatever. Right. Like he knows what's going to happen basically. Right. And from there, it's just like, what, yeah, what's going to happen? And then like, even kind of the creepiness of how slowly uh, Wesley puts Connor down mm. and then just turns and like attacks mm-hmm. him, you know, like it's just kind of like, that's just not Wes. Like right. that's not what you think right. of in those moments. Well, and, and yeah. Finish. And it's sorry. One, one, fi- one final thought is just like, it's even creepier when it's like, when you think like, but it is Wes and it's not like, he's not like possessed. He's not, right under like duress of any kind you know what i mean like i mean duress in like like nobody's making him do this per se like he's doing it on his own of his own will and so like that's kind of the creepier aspect of like like you can see how someone can get to that like like okay so i mean this might be more appropriate for the battlestar episode but like you hear all this talk about people becoming radicalized, mm. right? In, like, today's world of, you know, terrorism and whatever. And, like, 
this is Wesley becoming radicalized in a way, like not religious sense or, you know, whatever, but he's attacking people. He's kidnapping. He's, you know, working with, you know, a guy who's not afraid to, you know, build his own army to get his way, you know, like, I don't know. It's just it like, it, it sort of brings that whole idea of like, you can kind of see the slow steps by which someone can get to that point of doing sort of these heinous things and believing that they're right for doing Mm -hmm. it and that they have sort of a righteousness in, in what they're doing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. Right. And um, I think also that it does an interesting job of, like I said, it's been building up his motivation for the past couple episodes, so it doesn't really mm-hmm. need to go into his motivation that much because you just kind of allude no. to the fact of what he's been learning in his research and how Angel's behaving, and you kind of understand where he's coming from. But at the same time, I think the fact that it doesn't... The fact that he never kind of... I mean he doesn't talk to anyone about it. So there wouldn't be a place for this, but like it keeps you at a distance from totally sympathizing with Wesley's point of view too. Like there's some understanding there of why he's doing what he's doing, but also like the creep factor, the fact that like you as the audience, it's not announced up front what Wesley's plan is. Like it, again, it's just that kind of slow unfolding of you realize it as Lauren's realizing it kind of, you know, of like, you know, or like they drop little hints that then kind of come up later. Like, you know, I think like, like even the things about him asking Angel, can he take Connor out? Like, it's a little weird, but I could see like watching the episode and not necessarily realizing, Oh, he's going to like take the baby away. Like it's this kind of like, so I feel like as the audience, you're also kind of lulled into feeling sympathy for Wesley and not really realizing what he actually has up his sleeve. So when he actually mm. does it, it feels like the betrayal and everything. Um, like yeah. it, it's not, I don't think he's totally cast as the bad guy, but he's not totally cast as the hero either. Um, right. You know, uh, It's almost like it almost like the operative in Serenity, mm. right? Where where you have a person who knows the things that he does isn't good, but believes that they need to be done in order to kind of have the world right. that, you know, he wants to be like, like you know, he's, the operative says to Mal, like, you know, I'm a monster. I know, like, it's not right. it's not for me that this you know thing needs to be done it's for other people and and like i like i don't want i don't want to say wesley is exactly Mm -hmm. like that because there's obviously differences and stuff you know in the situation and and personality and whatever but there you can you know sort of see from the other side of things like yeah like why why wesley is doing all this stuff and you want to kind of believe like, like we don't know because we don't know what how it's going to play out. Like we don't, we don't know if the prophecy 
will end up coming true in mm-hmm. insofar as Angel killing Connor or right. whatever. And so, or, and if that happens, what the consequences of it might mm-hmm. be, right? Like, we don't, we don't know one way or the other. Like, we, we would like to believe Angel wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, kill Connor at all and, and would be, you know, protective of him or whatever. And we would like to believe that Wesley isn't completely deranged and right. believes that he's doing the right thing, you know? So it's just like, like, it's not like either one of these people are clearly wrong. They just have a different approach and opinion as mm-hmm. to, you know, how things might play out. And it just happens to be a particularly important opinion to have because it means life or death, you know, for people one way or the other. Right. However, it plays out and we just don't know what that's going right. to be. Right. Well, and I feel like Holtz is more deluded in the sense that he thinks he's on the right side and he's totally convinced that what he's doing is the right thing to do. Like he doesn't seem to have that moral scruple about, whereas Wesley has the agony of like, he may believe that he's doing the right thing in the long run, but he knows he's not doing a good thing in like that. This is gonna, this is the personal betrayal between him and angel, you know? Um, like, I don't think he's, he, I don't think he's under any illusion that angel's going to thank him for this, you know? Um, yeah. Like there's more of a sense of he's going in, like you said, clear eyed in, at least in terms of knowing that he's going to cross lines in doing what he's doing. Um, sure. So, yeah. And then, yeah. So, so, but then the kicker again is, is the fact that he doesn't even succeed in his sort of nefarious, well thought out, you know, plan. Um, because of this earlier conversation with Justine where, you know, he spoke to her about Holtz not being, um, you know, quite as good a person as he's, saying he is and you know kind of warning her about being naive um and then ironically is sort of taken in himself in the end you know that his whole warning is about don't get wrapped up in this kind of cult that like yes you lost someone and you have good motivations for what you're doing but don't pretend that what you're doing is righteous which is ironically the thing he needs to be telling himself like, that's, like, literally what he could be saying to himself is, like, yes, you're, you have good motivations for what you're doing, but don't think that that justifies, you know, your sins, basically. Um, sure. And And then the fact that she kind of is able to play him so easily at the end, you know, of, like she can just kind of come in and act like, you know, Holtz is exactly what Wesley said he was going to be. And Holt and uh, Wesley is so ready to put down the gun and help her and come close enough to, you know, get slashed in the throat. Um, so, you know, again, for all of his kind of, you know, soul searching and, you know, 
flirting with, you know, the dark side and everything, he's kind of easily deceived in the end. Um, hmm. Yeah. Which is not going to yeah. help because you feel like if you're going to do an awful thing to your friend, the least you could do is then show that it was a thing worth doing. <laughs> and then it's like, this ends up putting right. Connor in more danger than he was in before, or at least more immediate danger. Um, you know, and the thing my mind starts going is hopefully, you know, whatever the prophecy is, Wesley's not the one responsible for bringing it about, you know, and that's always right. the, the fear with the prophecies is that whatever you're going to do to avoid them, you're going to end up being, you know, culpable for them in the end. Um, you know, whereas if he just sort of trusted to his friends, as the the message often goes, that, you know, maybe this right. would have turned out differently. Right. When you're working together, things go yes. well. When you're not working together, they go not yeah. well. <laughs> Which is a thing um, easier, a lesson easier said than done, you know. Um, and oh, yeah. That's perfectly true in life, as well as, you know, like, it feels easy to be cliche and more, you know, moralize about it. Like, oh, don't these characters ever learn? But like, no, we don't ever learn. We, we all keep making this mistake. Um, so. As, as Seinfeld tells yeah. us, nobody ever learns no, anything. No, no. <laughs> yeah. And also house. People don't change. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So Wesley is off bleeding yeah. in a field. Oh, God. No, you know, near his apartment building somewhere. Yeah. Presumably, I mean, we don't see them take him anywhere. No, right? he's like, just sort of Justine left just grabs the, the baby yeah. and and. Well, goes, we do know that Wesley and or, uh, Gunn and Fred are looking for him. So. And they're specifically going to start with his apartment. the the cavalry is on the way, I assume. Um, Potentially. Hopefully soon. Right. Right. If if Wesley survives, they seem likely to be the ones who will find him. Yes. Hopefully before Um, Angel does, as they said. Um. Right. Well, so, okay. So we know where Angel goes, right? Because he he happens upon the... uh, Wolfram and Hart tactical team and steals one of their mm-hmm. vehicles, right? Um, and they all end up sort of converging uh, with Holtz, Justine, and the baby, uh, you know, in some field or whatever, somewhere, like the, some nondescript location where they have sort of mm-hmm. this huge Mexican standoff um, with, you know, Again, so you've got Lila and the Wolfram and Hart tactical team, Angel, and then you have Holtz with Connor, who wants to escape with Connor alive, but is willing to kill him, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, should anyone try to make a move against him. Um, And so what ends up happening there is you have Angel... uh, sort of between the, the Wolfram and Hart folks and Holtz. And ultimately, 
sort of, you know, uh, whatever, biting the bullet or, or whatever phrase you want to use to uh, allow Holtz to leave in order to save Connor's life, at least immediately, mm-hmm. um, and turns, you know, is able to, like, get a gun and, and turn it on the Wolfram and Hart folks, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so that they won't be able to kill Connor. Um, and then Sajan comes along, mm-hmm. opens up this portal, and uh, which we didn't know or realize he was capable of doing, mm-hmm. um, but turn you know it's like the worst of the worst hell dimensions. Right. Basically, is kind of how he describes it, right? Uh, Kortoth is the name of it. Q Q U O R apostrophe T O T H, um, and sort of unexpectedly, Holtz decides to jump into it with mm-hmm. Connor. Um, and Sajan sort of brushes his hands and says, okay, job done. Yeah. Apparent, apparently assuming that now Holtz and Connor are going to die. Right. Um, which may or may not be true. Right. It's probably not true. I'm going to go ahead and say that now. <laughs> um, Shocking. Because what fun would, what fun would that yeah, be? Yeah, no. Um, well, I mean, if you don't see the bodies, they're not really dead. And even then, you know, um, I mean, Buffy's died twice. Other, other people have died. Well, and there are fates worse than death, as we know. Like, you know, that there are the worst of the worst hell dimensions sounds not like such a good thing. Um, so, uh, yeah. And, um. You know, obviously the circumstances aren't the same because Holtz is sort of threatening Connor. You know, if anybody comes close, he'll just kill him rather than let them take him away or whatever. But um, the fact that Angel says take him, you know, that like Connor alive and with Holtz is better than like he's willing to just at least for the time being let Holtz take him away. It kind of makes me wonder like, Again, with Wesley, like, what would have been the reaction if Wesley had gone to the group and said, I learned a thing, and here's what I think we should do, maybe until we can figure this out, I propose that we separate Angel and Connor, and, you know, might Angel have been open to that idea of, like, he doesn't want to kill his son, you know, and so if it's a matter of life and death... You know, like, did it like, does Wesley in the end end up again causing so much more hurt by going behind Angel's back and going against the group? Um, when keeping this might have been avoided by more honesty up front. Um, I mean, I think that is the clear message at the end of the yeah. episode. Well, yes. But, I mean, definitely the message of, Wesley, you screwed up. Um, but, like, specifically, it kind of does make me wonder about Angel in particular, of, like, would he have even... Would he right, have right, been right. as against the notion as Wesley seems to assume? Um, yeah. Right. Wesley just sort of assumes off the top that 
Angel's never going to let Connor right. out of his sight. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean... And like you said, like, I mean, it's not the same situation, obviously, because there's, you right. know, many automatic weapons. Right, there's an being actual threat at, to at yeah, people. Yeah. You know, an, an immediate threat, right, right. Um, added there. But, yeah, I don't know. it's hard, hard to say, of course. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and Holtz is kind of, you know, it's hard to kind of keep track of his wants and motivations and everything because he's so sort of slippery with it of like you know he kind of it seems like he doesn't want to kill Connor but he doesn't mind killing Connor but like you know and then sometimes it seems like he wants to survive and so it's okay if Connor like Connor's his his own insurance to protect himself, but then he's willing well, to jump into the hell dimension, and so there's this kind of like just a slippery aspect to him that it's hard to sort of keep track of, which I think is implied like with the stuff with Justine of like <clears throat> when she's questioning, are we doing the right thing? Holtz kind of has the knife at the ready just in case, and so there is a sense of. He might really like Justine sure. and she might really be his protege and maybe he does want to go live off in a ranch in any town USA with, you know, his little, you know, family and that would be the best thing. But if she's going to make trouble, he's ready for it and he's not going to, you know, and the fact that, okay, so he pushes her away when he jumps into the dimension. Is that to protect her from the hell dimension or is that because he doesn't need her anymore and he's escaping and you're not at least i'm not quite sure i can tell the difference between those things because he seems to sort of change his his morals depending on the particular situation that he's in yeah i don't know that he changed i don't know that he changes his morals so much as his approach Mm -hmm. um like i don't I, like, I think he still wants to kill Angel, mm-hmm. but also do it in sort of the most painful way possible, right? Because right. the whole thing is that Angel killed Holtz's family right. and turned his daughter and, you know, all of that. So, like, I think he know. I think the, the stuff with Connor is that he knows it, it will hurt Angel. Right. But I don't... Like, I don't necessarily, like, I don't think it's incompatible for them to, like, turn around and threaten to kill Connor just because Mm -hmm. he knows that everyone else wants Connor alive. And he's already shown that, like, he's willing to do whatever it takes to hurt Angel. And if, you know, if the only way that he can sort of get out of it is to threaten to kill Connor. And I don't think it's just a threat. Like, I think he would legitimately Mm. kill Connor if anyone did you know try to move forward at that point or whatever um but i think i think he sees like those outcomes as being evil because now he has connor right and and like we already sort of hear him say like oh you know your name's going to be whatever steven blah 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 and you're going to be my son well 
how's he going to raise him? He's obviously he's going to raise him to like hunt down and kill vampires. Right. right? So like, I think it's not too much of a stretch to say like, he's probably going to train Connor to like kill Angel. And so like, that'll be the ultimate, right. You know, this is sort of come, come back is, is, is not just that, like, like he wants Angel to die, but he wants to do it sort of in the most painful way possible. Mm -hmm. Um, to equate with the pain that he, you know, that Angel, you know, put on Holtz in killing his whole family. So you can kind of see, like, where this is this is headed. Um, or at least where Holtz's plan would be in that instance, mm-hmm. right? So anyway, I don't, I don't necessarily think that it's incompatible for him though to to like in the heat of the moment threaten to kill connor sure because because hey he still killed the baby and that's gonna hurt angel and you know whatever but it it's it's a utilitarian sort of move right right uh and and he's already shown a willingness to you know like even when like his his crew is like fighting and he just sort of backs out and walks away out of the hotel. Right. Right. Like he doesn't, he doesn't care about them. Right. They're, they're tools for him to get what he Mm -hmm. wants. And you know, there's no point in him sticking around if the baby's already gone at that point. So he's just going to leave his guys there. Right. But yeah. Yep. So I don't I don't know that there's too much more to talk about. Like I said, this is sort of a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. you know, thing. Um, we'll have a couple episodes of Buffy mm-hmm. before we get back to finding out, you know, whether and how Wesley may or may not yeah. be discovered. And how's Wesley going to get out? You know, of this what one? are what are what are the implications of you know all the stuff that's gone down yeah. at yeah. this point? I um, think it's worth pointing out too that Cordy's still not back. Um, you know, that's true. So that's another missing element too of um, how will her returning sort of, you know, impact what's going on within the group and everything. Um. So yeah. Um. Yeah. Not. Not good for Wesley. No matter what happens, I don't think. Um, yeah, leaving him in, not just in danger, but in a pretty, uh, bleak place, I think. Yep. Indeed. All right. Cool. Well. Well, should we switch on over? Yeah, we can, we can switch over to, uh, Battlestar. And, uh. Yeah, I mean, so once again, we have some people on a planet and some people in the fleet and they're not near each other. And and so uh, I guess before we get into that, um, you did say you had a couple production notes, though. Um, um, yeah, so uh, especially I feel like for season premieres and stuff, um, it's always important. So... Um, the first two episodes were actually written by Ron Moore, um, you know, the showrunner. Um, and uh, this kind of 
you know, these episodes, but I feel like this new Caprica arc in particular are like, you know, big favorites of people and mine too. Um, so not surprising that there's some kind of acclaim for it. He, um, was actually nominated for an Emmy and for a Writers Guild of America award for the writing in particular, um, for the, the two, uh, opening episodes. Um, and this also won a, an award for editing as well. Um, so they actually wrote this and the next episode as separate pieces, but um, in kind of shaking out the season, they kind of reshuffled things and ended up doing the first two episodes as a kind of two-hour season premiere. So um, in the end, they kind of, you know, I mean, we always break up our two-parters anyway, um, but, you know, they, that's how they were originally presented. Um, and I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about the darkness of this episode as well, but, um, just kind of wanted to note that the, the writers and the producers were kind of deliberately using, uh, you know, very topical things like, you know, military occupations and suicide bombing and insurgency and these themes and, you know, kind of, you know, experimenting with that and that they were kind of nervous that they wouldn't be, you know, they kind of wondered if they were crossing lines in terms of will the network even allow us to broadcast, you know, like, are they even going to let us do this? Um, and mm. then found that the, the sci-fi channel didn't give them any uh, resistance in terms of that. Um, so they were kind of have no, no resistance. resistance. So they were sort of happy that they could go to these kinds of places without having to have a fight with, you know, the network or whatever. Um, you know, sure. not to say that that means that what they're doing isn't provocative. So, um, yeah, and I think deliberately provocative or else they wouldn't be worried about what the network would say. So, um, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. So, well, I mean, and maybe let's start there. It wasn't quite where I was thinking we might start, but um, the... Pro the, the most provocative thing, of course, being the blowing up, you know, the, the, the suicide bombing mm -hmm. from uh, Duck. Yeah. Uh, and, and we sort of, you know, we saw in the webisodes that we talked about last week, you know, s some of the motivation there mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the, the sort of sides. I mean, we, you know, we get sort of by exposition. Right the same inf information in this episode. Right. So if you didn't see the, the webisode, you right. still kind of know what's going on, right. but, but um, you got to a know little him more, a little bit more. And yeah, a little more him and Nora and, and what was going on there. Um, you know, it occurred to me watching it this time, uh, you know, after, so we recently, um, you and I participated in a discussion with several other folks around Rogue One mm -hmm. um, and Fantastic Beasts, but I'm not going to talk about Fantastic <laughs> Beasts. Right? Um, just because, in you know, one of the last things we talked about, and with regard to that movie, was you know some of the more disturbing uh, uh, freedom fighter mm -hmm. slash revolutionary slash terrorist mm -hmm. aspects of yeah, um, especially the stuff like on Jeddah where. You know, you have um, Saw Guerrero's group, mm -hmm. you know, basically coming out like and and 
it's a desert planet right. and you know they're like kind of wearing these long robes so you're getting sort of a middle eastern vibe mm-hmm. and um you know they're kind of throwing bombs and whipping out guns and you have like children crying in the streets and you know sort of the darkness of of all of that kind of stuff and so um i think one one of the big things for me in this episode is like this isn't it, you know this is no longer just an attack on like the Cylons, right? Like this isn't like on Caprica, like actual Caprica, old Caprica, where you had like Sam and the rest of them, you know, sort of fighting the Cylons and, and a resistant movement there where, you know, it was a clear, you know, Cylon versus human conflict Mm -hmm. and, and the same, you know, out in space with the fleet and stuff like, you know, I, I guess the only, sort of caveat that comes to mind is um was it the olympia Mm. was that the name of the ship that they blew Mm up um where they weren't sure like was it cylon was it not cylon were there people on it still like what was going on but that was way like that was a long time ago and like you know it's also not it wasn't up close and personal right right so like it was you're just blowing up a ship from like far away you're not really like standing there next to these people and like shaking their hands as you like pull the cord kind of thing. Um, and so like, that's the, that was sort of the disturbing thing to me was just like that idea of, yeah, okay. They took a few Cylons out, but first of all, we know they have a resurrection ship somewhere nearby again. Mm -hmm. So there, you're not really hurting them. It's a deliberate attack against the people, the other humans, Mm -hmm who are here with you and yes, who have decided to be police and, and, you know, right. Uh, narcs or whatever, you know, against your own people. Like that's like, I I understand that that's, you know, some of the justification for this, but at the same time, it's, it's a different, it's an escalation and a, a change in, uh, the dynamic of the war that they've been fighting yeah. all along for the last how, however many days or years or whatever at this point. Yeah. Um, and which, which parallels, of course, the Cylons themselves, right? Because the Cylons have recently also gone through a uh, division, a, a, a civil up uprising whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. you know between boomer and caprica six and uh uh you know their little merry band of cylons um right. so yeah i don't know just that's sort of the thing that struck me this time was that idea of like that it's that it's a complication of the war it's not you right. know uh it, it's not as simple as it used to be um and not that it was always simple per se but at least at least like the difficulties they had were like what is the best way to approach fighting the cylons Mm -hmm. but it wasn't really like how do we you know should we like kill other people right um i mean you know there was one off here and there but like not not on like sort of the scale that they have right here right Right. Um, well, and even when it did happen, like you mentioned the thing with the Olympia, it, that I feel like even, again, not to 
exonerate them for that decision, but it was a kind of, okay, you're in the heat of battle and you need to make a decision right or wrong. You know, like, like this is, it's coming towards us. It has nukes on board. You have 10 seconds to decide basically. And, you know, and Rosalind has to live with her decision, but she had to make one. Um, Whereas there's, this is, there's a much more like cold blooded aspect to this of it's more, it's by its nature, it's deliberate. It's thought out and planned ahead of time. And it's done going into it, knowing what you're doing and everything. And so there's a more problematic, I guess, aspect to, you know, what it is that it's less of a kind of in the heat of the moment kind of thing and more of a, overall strategy for how you're going to go about, you know, fighting this war. Um, And it is kind of bold, I think, the way that they take the things that are, you know, uh, you know, associated with Americans don't associate with their own people, things like suicide bombing and, you know, uh, insurgency under an occupation and those kind of things and they deliberately put what we think of as the good guys as the ones in that position you know so it's it's not it's not just i feel like if if downloaded helped us to sympathize with the cylons even if we didn't always agree with their methods now it's putting the humans in the position where they're doing those using those types of tactics and yeah, and you're confronted yeah. with, okay, do I still feel the same, you know, uh, do I still feel that it's the same thing as when the other guys do it? Um, or does it change how I feel? And and I think it shows a variety of opinions, you know, within that. Um, you know, there's sure. everything from Ty on the one hand, you know, I don't, I guess we don't get like a real clear, nobody's the people in the resistance seem fairly committed to being in the resistance. So nobody comes out and says to Ty, I'm not going to let you do this, but still like there's a spectrum there, you know, of, you know, Tyrrell voicing his, his, his doubts. And you have people like Jammer who was in the resistance and now is secretly in the police because he doesn't like what his own people are doing. So it does present a spectrum, I think. Yep. And even even like Callie, who's for the resistance, clearly, but is frustrated at how much of the time it's taking away from her family personally, mm-hmm. you know, for Tyrrell to sort of be away and, yeah. and do the things that he's doing and that kind of stuff. Right, right. And um, the danger of, you know, that it'll probably right. leave her without a father for her child, you know. Right. Um, well, right. And that's right. The other aspect of it too. Um, so the other episode I was, I was thinking of that would maybe come close to this is, um, the one where they, you know, on cloud nine, where they, uh, uh, you know, take over the bar there, the, the fringe group. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget, oh, I forget yeah, the name yeah. of the episode there. Where Billy dies. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. um, so, but the difference there and, and kind of what you pointed out and just what you were saying, the difference being like, like there, you, you know, the people who were in power 
were, you know, the, the military and the government were not condoning, like they were explicitly not condoning that, right? Like they were trying to get out of that bad situation. And they were saying like, this is bad. We don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So now you have it flipped, right? Where those people are the ones who are saying, okay, yeah, it's, it's maybe not good, but like, in order to get to where we need to get to, like, we're going to allow this, you know, sort of attack on our own people to happen. Right. Um, right. And, and with the implication that like, it can actually help us because there will be like sympathy and, you know, like, um, like we saw in the webisodes, right? Like, Oh, you know, shooting up the temple is actually going to bring more people to our cause. So, mm-hmm. You know, it was good to have been sort of, yeah. you know, uh, to bastardize that Elrond quote or whoever it is who says that. Yeah. It may yet be good to have been or, or whatever the, right, the right. quote is. Um, uh, right. And so therefore justifying decisions of ours which deliberately provoke Cylon slaughter of our own people you know like you know so if if we hide the guns in the temple and that means that the Cylons attack the temple then that's good for us because people will hate the Cylons more and so it was a good idea to hide things in sensitive vulnerable places you know Um, not good if the guns get stolen but good if you know, it can provoke anger on the part of the people and everything. Um, and so you start to get into this, all right, now who's responsible for the shooting of the temple now? Or, you know, like it just gets very, you know, muddled and everything. Um, so, yeah, and I think it's good to have those webisodes as kind of a setup in particular for like the new Caprica police and everything, because... I don't feel like we really get a real sense of who those people are that are choosing to be in it other than Jammer. And so it kind of helps to see that those are people who are disturbed by what their own people are doing. And this is their response is to, all right, we'll be our own police force and get the Cylons. At least originally that's the plan is take the, you know, the policing out of the hands of the Cylons and put it back in human hands. And this, that's the idea. Um, Mm -hmm. But then that just becomes another extension of power for those in power. Um, Right. And doesn't really solve anything. Um, And it's hard to under, it's hard to know from the humans perspective, if that's like, is this just a propaganda thing? Is, like, is this like, right? You know, the Nazis like sort of commissioning, you know, local youth groups to be, you know, young Nazis mm-hmm. and like, you know, report on their parents kind of thing. Or is it, or is it legitimate? Like, okay, we're Cylons. We don't really get humans, so it's better to have other humans policing humans. Right than us to do it because clearly we'll get something wrong. And so right. like, like it, like, do you see this as a good faith effort on the 
part of the Cylons? Or do you look at it cynically and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, say, no, this is just a way for them to sort of control, right. you know, you know, the masses kind of thing. Right. 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 And I think just like the humans, there's a spectrum there of like, all right, we saw Doral, you know, we know he's the PR guy, you know, propaganda seems like it would be up his alley. And we saw how he dealt with Jammer. I can definitely see that being a cynical thing on his part. Um, Whereas you feel like with Boomer and, and Caprica six, there's more that sense of good faith of this is not what this was supposed to be. And we need to be working together and including humans in the process is a way of doing that. Um, and they're maybe being a bit naive, but at least have good intentions buried underneath what's going on. Um, and maybe it's being corrupted, but that's not what they wanted when it started. Sure. And and this is the first class, though, right? So, like, we don't even know how it's going to shake out. Yeah, I guess or, so. Or am I wrong? I don't or, know. Or is it... I don't know. It's not... I guess I, I guess I got the impression that it was a first class, yeah. but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe it isn't, but I, I thought that this was supposed to be, like, the first actually commissioned class of, like, new Caprica yeah. police, you know, human police... And, and so... Yeah, you might be right about that. Um, you know, Duck goes in and destroys it. And so we don't know how it's going to shake out. Because like, now it's like, okay, well, obviously the Cylons are going to react, <laughs> you know, to this. Mm-hmm. And, and approach things in a different way. And also it's going to shy away. And which is like sort of maybe the secondary point is to like, you know, make people who would become cops, you know, decide not to now. Cause now there's hmm. the risk that this could happen again, you know, in the next class. Right. Like if the first class gets blown up, who, you know, you're not going to see a bunch of people r- rushing out to sign up for class number two. Right. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, I think you're right. Like it is a spectrum and, and on both sides, like you're going to have a range of ideas about how legitimate this is, how earnest it is on the parts of the Cylons and, and sort of, you know, what, how, how much the stated purpose and the intended purpose are in alignment, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. um, and, and all of that kind of thing. So, Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the over um, the 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 universal sense I think for everyone is that it's not going well. Whatever your definition right. well, of going well is, this is not it. And and so the coming off of the kind of utopian promise of Baltar's New Caprica, coming into the grim reality of like I mean it was pretty grim yeah. a year in before the Cylons even turned up. I think we get that impression that, you know, Baltar's popping pills, the government is stressed out, the union's unhappy, everyone's getting sick. So the whole thing was kind of not really going that well to begin with. And now, um, you know, there's this silent occupation, which obviously the humans aren't happy about and the Cylons aren't even that happy about it, but they're kind of in this place where we're stuck. 
and we have to see this thing through whatever that means um you know everyone's going to go down further down their own road of seeing it through because what else are we going to (laughs) do and and you get that right like that council like the standing meeting right among the cylons there in baltar's in colonial one or whatever Mm -hmm. and and like they're like what what can we do to make things better and you get like cavill like well maybe what if we killed baltar yeah like would that make like they seem to not like him very much so like what if we killed him yeah and they're like well no because they don't like him so they wouldn't get like they probably right we do their work they probably just like yeah yeah that's what they're trying to do so like why would why would that help and right. So, right. And he's like, and he's like frustrated. He's like, oh, fine. All right. So we won't kill him. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I like Baltar's. But like, what? You know, like he's not even yeah, really listening yeah. to the meeting until his name gets mentioned, you know, and then like. But, but you do get that, you get that sense of like, like they're, they're at their last straw. Like they're just like, all right, what can we, what can we just try? Like, all right. This is, this is one of those brainstorms where no idea is a bad idea. Like, let's yeah. just throw stuff out there and see what sticks right. and and they really don't have right. a clue as to how to handle this stuff right that you know that's going on here um right well and so making also a few things clear about where everyone's opinions lie of like all right we're if Baltar hadn't already killed his own reputation himself, we're making definitely for sure that you know that um his political goodwill is gone that like there's no more mixed opinions about is Baltar a good president or not that, you know, he was not a good president and now he's a traitor. And if they don't realize he was a traitor way back when they definitely know it now because he's, you know, folded under this Cylon government and everything. And they see him as working with the Cylons. Um, But they, you know, but it seems kind of like he's stuck in Colonial One, like whether it's a literal house arrest or not. Right. He's as much right. he's as much a prisoner as anybody else, and you know it's not like not to totally absolve Baltar of all his crimes, but it's not like he's collaborating. He's just sitting there. Um, you know, they're not. He's not working with the Silence in any meaningful sense. It's he's literally there as a figurehead. Um, to just kind of be the face of of a government that really isn't his in any real sense, um, you know. But to the people, you know, he's sort of, you know, number one most wanted, um, you know, in terms of who would be a good target to make a sort of symbolic, you know, sacrifice of and everything. Um, Right. Um, yeah, no, I, and like you said, like it might not be a house arrest, at least as far as the Cylons are concerned, but like if Baltar shows his head outside of yeah. Colonial One, like yeah. it might not stay attached to his, you know, his rest of his body too long. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, like there's also the this the um, Cylons themselves, right? So you get the difference. Like Cavill is like, 
you know, he, he's the atheist preacher guy, right? Like, so, you know, oh, we're supposed to be bringing the word of God to humans, right? Like, to save them from damnation and that kind of thing. But, like, like he's also very much, like, this is, like, the Spanish Inquisition that nobody expects, right? Um, the 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 idea of, like, he wants to bring the word of God and like the word of God is harsh and, you know, will like lead to your death at my hand if you don't follow it kind of thing. Well, and, (laughs) Um, and the word of God for Cavill, there's no sincerity behind that. He even uses like literal air quotes when he says God, like we're bringing the word of God. He says in finger quotes, like, He's parroting what they're saying, I think. Like, he's saying, you know, you all, true believers, I'm trying to appeal to your religious sensibilities of, you're set, we're supposed to be here to bring the word of God, so let's do this thing. And I have some ideas about how we can bring the fear of God into humanity. But that that sense that we got from him when he's in when it's the two of them in the jail cell and they're talking back and forth about, you know, well, there is no God. It's just a thing that, you know, you know, is sort of invented by humans and Cylons. Like you do get that sense of Cavill's militant atheism in a way, you know, although he'll talk about the idea of God, if that's what he needs to do, Um, you know, but it's more about bringing the fear of, the Cylons into people. Um, right. Well, and you never know when the Cylons are talking about God, like who, who do they mean? Like, is this sure. like when C C3PO says, thank the maker, mm-hmm. you know, like who's the maker? Like right. there's not really like a droid God, you know? Right. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, and so I just, Right, like, so you get, like, Cavill, who's, you know, trying to convince the others that, like, the more the more executions, the better. And, hey, if that means we kill them all, then so be it. Um, whereas, obviously, like, Caprica 6 and Boomer, you know, they want, you know, I mean, they're, they have their own personal interests, but, mm-hmm. like, also sort of, like, maybe, like, we... It's hard to, it's always hard to say with like Caprica Six, like how much she embodies, you know, head sixes mm-hmm. ideas, but like she seems to be at least genuine in like whatever her belief mm-hmm. of God is, but at least like acknowledges that like, oh, it might have been a mistake to like kill all those people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're legitimately turning over a new leaf. And like same with Boomer, like you know, well, whether it's driven by divine or whatever, like, like she at least has the memories of like being human Mm -hmm. and not realizing she was a Cylon and has a legitimate affection for these people. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you have Deanna who, uh, is, is very much on that cynical side of things Mm -hmm. with, um, Doral, I think, you know, like, you know, I would say they're, probably the two closest in that sort of attitude of like, 
you don't really like they'll go along with it because the majority mm-hmm. is is sort of going along but like they would be just as fine as you know whatever like they they'd be fine with going with cavill and just like killing everyone right and, and like okay and and you know picking up where they left off with you know, the decimation of the human race, or, well, right. the extermination, really, of the human right. race. Um, right, although with Deanna, with that, so, that one line of sorry. when she asks Caprica 6 about, you know, is is the love of, you know, Baltar worth going through all this stuff? And, you know, Caprica says, if you'd ever been in love, you wouldn't have to ask. And you know, I feel like... At least with that, with Deanna, it indicates some curiosity, you know? Like, it's a question sure. worth asking of, like, I don't understand this, this what is this human emotion you call love kind of thing, but I, I am curious <laughs> enough to, like, ask about it, you know? Like, it, that's, like, the one hint of something more open-minded, I think. Um, even if she is a, yeah. a more hardline opinion, she at least is curious enough to ask Caprica what exactly it is that is appealing about the love of a human being. Um, yeah. And, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. And, you know, she was also the one who put together that video that mm-hmm. sort of, you know, ends up being a nonsense, right? Like, like you get that, oh, I'm a cynical reporter doing right. this thing. And then, you know, here's, here's what I came up with. And it's actually very touching and, mm-hmm. you know, puts a good light on, you know, what the BSG is doing. And it's hard to say how much that right. affected her right. as a Cylon. Um, so I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I feel like she is definitely still, so maybe she's somewhere between Doral and, you know, Boomer and Caprica mm-hmm. Six, right? Like, like maybe not quite as cynical as Doral, but certainly not. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't, I think, I think she'd at this point be just as fine going along with the rest. Mm-hmm. If, if, if the majority wasn't right. saying, okay, we should stop killing people, mm-hmm. then she would be perfectly fine continuing to kill people at this right. point. Like, she's I don't not, think she's, she's not like actively arguing yet. about it at this point. Yeah. Um. Um, so, um, and then we should mention Geta because yeah. he's part, like he, he's part of that inner circle mm-hmm. in a way, right? Like, I mean, as an assistant, but um, kind of fulfilling, did we talk about this already? How he kind of fulfills a similar role in the Baltar government as he fulfilled on, you know, in the CIC of the Galactica, sure. right? Like he's the guy he's who runs it and makes it the work guy who stand. does. He, yeah. He's the one who actually does the stuff that like yep. the leaders order to be yep. done. And so because of that, he's, you know, got a good position to sort of see what's happening, what's going mm-hmm. on. Um, and as it turns out, he's, Helping out the resistance, mm-hmm. he's feeding them information, and um, and secretly, like nobody knows that he's doing this. Even the resistance, right. they they managed to set up. How, so my question is, how did they set up like this dead drop scheme? Right? Yeah, I don't think we ever um, figured out. Like, I, I assume so, there, there's either 
a third element. There's some contact that doesn't get mentioned that was used as a midway point between him and Tyrrell, or else, like, maybe he found a way of just dropping off a message saying, I will leave messages at this location, and here's my signal, and it was left sort of anonymously. Like, something like that. Um, But it is important, definitely, that there isn't... Each end of the chain doesn't know who's on the other end. Um, Right. They could be making guesses, but maybe they they don't... Certainly, the Resistance doesn't know who Gaeta is, and potentially, I don't know if Gaeta knows that it's Tyrrell who's picking up the messages. He could just know it's the resistance, somebody over there. Um, right. You know. And it kind, it kind of surprises me that, like, Tyrrell hasn't, like, staked someone out to watch, like, who comes by. Sure. You know, to flip over the dog Sure, bowl. although he says there is the part about it's probably safer if we don't know who it is. Because if anybody sure. gets caught, they can't rat out the other person you know so on either end yeah and so it's in you know it is in in one way it's in everyone's best interest to to not know anything on the other hand this does create a dangerous situation because you know you have the resistance targeting you know collaborators um with the knowledge that there are collaborators who might not really be collaborators you know they're might be these sleeper agents in there and you don't know who it is that if you're going to start blowing up your own people, you know, like there might be people in the government who are actually loyal to the human side, um, who haven't necessarily, you know, uh, made their names be known. Well, right. And that's the other thing. Like, like it's a, it's a dangerous position. You know, to be in. Yeah, it's hard. So one of the hard things about this is we don't, we don't actually know the size of New Caprica, right? Because no, there were still so. ships, and and there were more ships than just BSG right. and the Pegasus right. that jumped away. Right. Like there, there's an actual fleet right. still up there, so we don't know how many people are actually still on those ships. Um, But, you know, say half Mm -hmm. of the, you know, people are on the planet and half are in the ships, just sort of for easiness sake. I mean, that's still like 20,000 people. Mm -hmm. You know, so you're talking, you know, not not like a huge city or anything, but you're talking a good-sized town. You know, and, and, you know, they talk about like, water and sewage and and sort of infrastructure that is in the process of being put in place mm-hmm. um it, you know the complaint being like oh great the first thing you know silence come the first thing they do is build a jail right but but like there's other discussions around like you know agriculture and and that kind of stuff that's going on um and and you would have to think that like like there there would need to be some some size of government, you know, mm-hmm. administration going on. Like, it's not just like Baltar and Gator. Right, right. Right. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. like there, there's there's probably someone yeah. doing something with, you know, 
housing authority and someone right. doing something with, you know, uh, you, you know, trying to set up some kind of right. uh, uh, water and food, you know, rationing right. or whatever. Like, you know, so there's there's probably other individuals throughout, you know, in these sort of bureaucratic roles or, or administrative roles um, that could potentially be getting this stuff. But, right. but that, you also get the sense that, like... Cover up. You don't just go, well, why doesn't Tyrrell know it's Gaeta? Well, Right, like, like why yeah, doesn't he know it's Gaeta? Right, there might be hundreds, hundreds of, of people. people. In the government. Yeah. For, for a 20,000-person settlement, there might be a couple hundred people, right. you know, right. who you may not even know all right. of them. You right. know. Well, and, and I um, think there's some good kind of cover there, too, of, like, Gata's the Baltar fanboy. You know, is he gonna... Is right. he gonna turn against Baltar? You know, now we saw in the end of the last season that he was... His opinion was changing. He clearly wasn't happy with the way the government was going. He wasn't happy doing the job he was doing. But do Tyrrell and the others know to the extent that he wasn't happy about that? You know, as far as they know, maybe he's, you know, a loyal assistant who believes in his president and he wasn't getting us any help with the union anyway. So he's already been kind of a disappointment. He's never been the guy they go to for undermining the authority figures. He's left out of all the different resistance plots that D puts together. And so all of this creates like, I think pretty plausible cover like for his situation of like, he's actually in a good position to get information and there are plausible reasons as to why he wouldn't be the one passing it on, you know? Um, so, you know, and it it makes me wonder too, the, the part where he goes to say, um, uh, the, you know, the ceremony is about to start and Baltar says he's not going to the ceremony and everything. I don't know that we figure out why he's not going. He just says there's a security concern. And it makes me kind of wonder, like, okay, do they have some intelligence that the ceremony might be compromised? Or, or are they just paranoid? Or are they testing Gaeta, maybe? Like, you know, like, because he, he right. does run and tell the resistance what's going on. It's just that he's too late. And so there could be a sense of, you know, we're going to feed him information. And if the, or maybe we have different people that we're feeding information. And if, you know, they, if the resistance attacks the ceremony, then that may indicate that gate is a leak. But the fact that, you know, or if they, if they don't attack it, I should say, like if they have a last minute change of plans, it indicates that he's passing on information. And then that doesn't happen. It goes through anyway, because he's, he doesn't get the message to Tyrrell in time. Um, so right. I don't think they, it doesn't quite tell you one way or the other, but it kind of, it kind of makes you wonder, like, do the Cylons know that there are informants? Are they trying to figure out who they might be? Or are they completely, are they as convinced of everybody's loyalty as the resistance is? Um, at least for sure. like the inner circle of like the, you know, the, the cabinet members or the staff or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it makes you wonder what Gaeta, like, at what point did he, like, start running? Like, because you know he couldn't just, like, start running right outside of Right, like, no, the he has to walk. kind of walk and keep himself to himself for a couple blocks before he <laughs> right. gets into a run. Right. Like, 
oh, I'm just going to go take a stroll. Yeah. I'm going to get some air. Right. Anyway. Right. Well, and it, it, um, it's like, if you'd run sooner, what do you've got there sooner? Like, it's a fine line to walk between, I have to get this message as quickly as possible, and I can't blow my cover, you know? And right. that's, that'll cost you precious minutes and seconds and everything. Um, right. So... Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot to say about the resistance themselves. Like, you've got Ty in the cell at the beginning, and he's lost an eye through interrogation. Um, right. Right. Uh, uh, you have, uh, Tyrrell and Sam who are, like, blowing up Cylons, but it's just a nuisance. Like, it's not... It's not really effective because right. they're just going to come back. You know, they're just going to be reborn and come back again. And yeah. um, like we like we learned in Scar, like death is just a learning experience. Mm -hmm. Right. Like this isn't I mean, I don't know what they would necessarily learn because they're just walking and then all of a sudden they're not there anymore. But like, you know, I guess right. to be more careful and look around and see if there's bombs anywhere. But well, and also you know, we this, learned from Scar that it makes them angry. You like every time they die and are reborn, Scar got angrier and meaner. You know, yeah, so <laughs> kind of like that. That's true that he did specifically, but like I got the impression that it was just because it was like, like it just because it's it's you know painful right. and. Like, you also get the sense that, like, the ships, the Cylon ships, are are only, like, semi-aware, mm. right? Like, they're more like animal intelligence mm. than maybe human intelligence. Like, sure. they're, they're maybe technically conscious, but not, like, right. fully conscious or, like, you know, like the skin jobs are or whatever. Right. Um, and I don't know, like, like are the, are the machine Cylons more that way or are they closer to humans or you know what's mm -hmm. what the deal is there like do they come back as well or is it you know or are they more just like straight programming like it doesn't matter like they don't have individual personalities anyway like are they more right. you know whatever um but all that to say like again it's just more of a nuisance it's just like oh well now we gotta you know download into a new body or whatever but it's not like you're not actually killing any of the personalities or mm -hmm. you know really doing much um so it it sort of seems to be more nuisance type stuff than act like like there's not really a concerted effort you know either due to lack of you know equipment or lack of mm -hmm. ability like maybe there's just not enough people or but they're not like they're not like trying to like take over colonial one and like, you know, get the Cylons off the planet or anything. Mm -hmm. They're just kind of like these little hits here and there. Um, and I would say even like the suicide bombing is, I mean, it's more than just a little hit, but it's, and obviously it's targeting more the people or whatever, but even that's like, like, it's not going to, it's not going to stop Cylons. They're not going to go away right. because of it. They're not going to, you know, do whatever. And so, um, you get the sense um, that they're more just biding their time. Mm. Like, 
you know, uh, when Ty gets out of jail, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he goes and sees Tyrrell and Sam and uh, tells that, you know, they tell him that, like, they've been sending this message the same time, same, you know, every day, uh, you know, same time, same frequency and trying to raise, I guess it was a prearranged maybe channel or whatever Mm -hmm. to raise the, um, Raptor Mm -hmm. that they believe is out there, but they don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, but like the Cylons are jamming their system and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, just kind of like, like they're not, it's a resistance, like it's certainly a resistance and they're, and they're doing things, but it's not like, like they're more just like mosquitoes, you know, around a campfire, like, right. the, the, you know, and, and, and sort of annoying people, you know, well, annoying Cylons, that is, um, and, and not really doing much of anything. They're more, looks like they're relying, they're, they're relying on Galactica to come back at some point and Pegasus to come back at some point yeah. and save them. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know what I have more to say about that other than just, that seems to be where they're at. They're not, um, they're not necessarily, you know, trying to kill all the Cylons or, you know, break out or escape or anything like that. Um, so yeah. Right. Also, had it, so the name of the episode is Occupation. Mm. Um, and it's interesting to me, obviously, you think of, like, the Cylons mm-hmm. being, you know, occupying the planet and, and being invaders and all yeah. of that. But you brought up um, how, like, Gato wasn't very helpful with the strike last time. And so, you know, you have Tyrrell, who's, like, the union leader or whatever. Mm-hmm. And basically, uh, yeah, like like, leading leading his people on the forefront of a strike, which of course means they would be unoccupied. Right. Like, and now, now there's this sense that this is, this is their new occupation. Mm. Like, I mean, they might still have day jobs or whatever, but like, like this becomes, there's no more talk of strikes. And like, in one way, Baltar did solve the strike problem, right? He, he ceded to the Cylons and, now there's no threats of strike because now they're all working towards something else. Right. Um, right. So it's just kind of an interesting, uh, right. you know, possible duplicate, you know, or dual, I mean, um, uh, meaning to the word. There. Right. 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 Well, and going back and, and the, the reversal there of going back to Gata. Okay. He wasn't able to get Baltar to reverse his opinion on the union. And so what's he doing now? He's working with the human people against the government secretly, but has reversed his position that rather than be the, so like everyone's kind of has to find a new way to, you know, a new way of living under the changed circumstances and people's positions are sort of reversing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. So we've talked a lot about people on New Caprica. I want to make sure we touch on, um, well, I guess, all right. So we need to talk about before we move on, sorry, from New Caprica, <laughs> we need to talk about, um, Kara and the yes. um, 
Yes, talk about creepy situations. Yeah. Um, right. Like, this is, like, little, like, this is Leo Ben and his little homemaker. Yeah. You yeah. know. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And a bunch of creepy little details, one of which being it's basically her old apartment, just decorated differently. Like, the sure. building, it's literally the same architecture. Um you know, and that feels like that was deliberate. Like Leo Ben did his research and he knows, you know, how to oh, yeah. kind of, you know, sell he's going to put her in. Um, and it's not in a little like three by four cell like Ty had. It's this nice furnished domestic, you know, little setup for the two of them. Um, yeah. And yeah. yeah and the, the, so his kind of, reversal of his uh the reversal of their positions and as he said before like maybe you know all this has happened before maybe the last time i was the interrogator and you were the prisoner and you know now that's kind of where we find ourselves that he's sure. now there's just just the two of them in a cell but he's the one in power and you know she's not so little little seeds got that got planted earlier that are kind of coming to fruition in particularly disturbing ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so overall very like more it's more just like the tone and stuff. Like I don't know that we get a whole lot from like their conversation. Like there's not a lot of knowledge. It's just more their interactions. Mm -hmm. Right. And the, the tone, um, you know, obviously like Leo Ben's hoping that like Stockholm syndrome sets in at some point here. Right. Like this is, this is sort of the end goal is that like at some point he'll become so familiar to her that, that she'll fall in love Mm -hmm. with him or at least get to stop killing him at, you know, um, which apparently has happened a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, does he say a number like five or something? Yeah, I like, don't remember what like, number it was, but I think he does. Um, and also, like the creepiness of like, so she kills him, he comes back, but then is like. Oh yeah! By the way, you get to sleep in the same room with my body. Right, just <laughs> like, leaves it there. Like yeah. just yeah. that, like, like you know, kind of ups the ante on the whole, like, mm-hmm. reap the consequences of what you've sown. Um, and yeah, like, like there is this. I mean, they have they have a connection now, mm-hmm. so to speak, but it's obviously a very weird and and twisted. Um, and creepy one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know that there's much more to say about all that. Um, do you have anything else you want to add? Um, no, I don't think. I don't think so. I like the, in a weird kind of way. I like when after she's killed him that first time, and she kind of finishes eating her meal, and the little dab of the handkerchief on her mouth with the like bloody hand and stuff like just the (laughs) it really ratchets up the disturbing 
aspect of her situation and that you get that I think they said this is four months or whatever that the silence have been here so this has been this is where she's been like Leo Ben shows up at the end of season three I'm looking for Kara Thrace and like presumably pretty soon after that he found, he found her, her right. really quickly so and they haven't you know Sam and the rest of them no word of her for four months so this is just yeah. you know the the yeah. situation that she's in um so yeah um well right. and I, so, one last thing too it just occurred to me too the fact that Leobin kind of to me conspicuously absent from like the Cylon meetings like he's not really the guy involved mm. in the governing of this whole situation it's like that weird right. Leobin is off on the fringes doing whatever it is that he does and they kind of leave him to it it seems um now, I mean, we don't know. I mean, many there are many Leobans out there and everything, but the fact that he's not yeah, yeah. in the meeting no, is but interesting this is, to me. This is the one, right? The, like, this is the personality. I think like, this so. is right. I think that's what we're meant right. to this believe is, is that Leoban. this is yeah, yeah. This is her Leoban, right. right? Like, this is the one that she tortured right. and with, and that Rosalind threw out the airlock and and all yeah. of that, like. Um, which makes you wonder, like, so if there's if there's a majority of Cylons, like, wh- who are the Cylon? Like, I wonder how they vote. Like, do they vote by model or do they vote by like by like personality? I think they vote by model. They say that at some point. I don't think they've said it yet, but I'm pretty sure later on there's some discussion of the models. At least historically, always go together. Um, right. So there's there's twelve models. But we don't know. But like some of them aren't known, right. right? So, what would that make it? Like eight that are. Um. Did. I, how many have we seen? So I'm trying right. to think. So we've like, got six. Sharon, Sharon, Deanna is three. Deanna. We've got Doral. We've got Cavill is five. We've got Leoben is six. Yeah. And I forget his name. The the doctor, um, is uh, seven. Okay. Is that it? I think that's it that we've seen so far, right? I'm yes. pretty sure. So there's seven known models as of right so, now. So it makes you wonder, like. If Leoben voted, you know, with with like six and Sharon, right? Just because of Kara, and like maybe, like he doesn't even care about the rest right. of it, right? Like he doesn't care about the war and the people, and well, I mean, like they could go, you know, be killed or not killed. Like mm-hmm. he has no desire to be involved in the governing you know he is the sort of philosophical type right right, like that we've seen um and so yeah like so it makes you wonder if he's just like like yeah okay like we'll we'll go you know let's let's go do this thing i'm I'm down with your plan because it'll bring me closer to characters and so i don't know it's just like like that makes it even more kind of creepy and Mm -hmm. weird um of course but 
um, yeah, just sort of trying to think through that that whole voting process and and sort of the political machinations that would go through with something like that and um, yeah, you know that idea of like you know you're putting together like your you know your voting block and like it's going to change based on like like people might vote the same but their reasons for doing so are wildly mm, different, right. you know? Um, right. But anyway, um, last few minutes here, we should talk about um, the fleet because we get some stuff on them too. Mm-hmm. It might, might take us over a little bit, but uh, so the fleet had jumped away. Um, and like we mentioned, it was more than just the two battle stars, right? So you get, um, Maybe not the entire fleet because because there were a few there were some ships that blew up with the nuclear bomb mm-hmm. and all of that um, from uh, Prisoner Six there, but uh, yeah, so we get uh, we get them like they're basically so they're doing maneuvers in like the Vipers and the Raptors and mm-hmm. like practicing you know their 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 sort of secret moves and, and whatnot, um, and doing a terrible job at it. And, um, Hilo's ready to like call them in cause they're tired and, you know, frustrated and all of this. But then Adama says, no, they, they need to keep going. Um, yeah. which of course inevitably leads to, so, and, and Hilo says this, it's the 16th time and, uh, you know, Adama's all gruff and says, well, the next one will be 17 and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so inevitably, of course, that leads to like malfunctions mm-hmm. and people crashing into each other and stuff and emergencies. Yeah. So um, not, not going so well, like presumably they're practicing for when they return to new Caprica right. to save the people, right. right? Like there's, they're practicing these maneuvers, but you have, I guess what are basically, un, you know, the younger set of Viper pilots, mm-hmm. right? Because we know, like, Duck and Nora were Viper pilots, but mm-hmm. they're dead now. Or, well, by the end of this episode, they're, you know, Duck is yeah. dead. And and um, Starbuck mm-hmm. is, you know, on New Caprica. And some of these other... So, um, and they were, I mean, the Battlestars already had, you know, skeleton crews right. anyway. So... Right. Um, you know, not, not the cream of the crop necessarily, uh, in, in the, uh, right. Like you get the sense that it's cat and racetrack is sort of leading, which they may be talented, but not as experienced as, you know, some of those more, you know, older, those older pilots and everything. Um, sure. You know. Uh, add on to that again the you know not enough people and not enough equipment and they're out of practice for a year and all those sorts of things um so you know they're not really looking too impressive as a rescue force um yeah which is what uh Lieberson to argue about, you know, is how are, you know, how, how are we supposed to do this with half staff and 
if you ride them this hard, they're only going to make more mistakes and all that kind of thing. Um, which brings us to Lee. Yeah. It's time to, what it's about time to talk about Fat Lee. But is, is, there, is there something different <laughs> about him? a little or? different, Fat Lee. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone's got little things which are different about them a year later like some people have like longer hair some people had a baby some people do this or that or whatever and uh lee comes back Adama has a mustache has a mustache and um lee comes back having gained a you know uh not a small amount of weight which i'm interested to hear what you think about this because i think i kind of like it <laughs> i i like that they took the like, I guess, young, like, he's not the lead, like, he's not, like, the main character, but, like, the kind of young, you know, male lead type character, and went there with him, because what other show do you know that ever did that, you know, um, and they're willing to take Lee to some pretty unattractive places, I think, like, in terms of his personality, Mm -hmm. like, you know, the kind of, you get that the, the, like D says, you're soft and it's not just the weight. It's like this whole laziness has become part of his personality. That, is that D who says that or is that Adama? Uh, well, Adama calls, it it, Adama. Adama calls him soft and then he says, oh, I can't believe you called me soft. Um, and then D says, yeah, you're soft. Um, oh, you know, okay. and gotcha. she's talking about, like she says, I'm not talking about the weight. It's like you that like although that too too, but that's more of a a physicalization of the 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 whininess and the you know um the you know that he's lost his edge and everything um and i just like that they're like yep we're gonna put jamie bamber in a fat suit and go with it and he was up for it so um you know yeah i mean So it's, it's, it's always hard because you know that he's not really like the actor isn't really that. Yes. Like, like I would, (laughs) when, when actors actually change their bodies, you know, to fit a role, I'm more impressed than when it's like here, slap on some prosthetics and you know, whatever. And and I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about like, like I agree with you, like with the, with the idea of it, like. You know, um, it's more the execution for me that just sort of I look at him and I'm like, no, but you're not really fat. Like, yeah, absolutely. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, from a from a character perspective, I mean, has Lee really ever had the edge? <laughs> like, like. Yeah. He certainly has never had the edge in the way that Adama has had the sure. edge. So I kind of feel like, like in a sense, both Adama and D are being a bit disingenuous mm-hmm. because I don't, I mean, could I see this Lee holding a gun to Ty's head? Okay, no. So like maybe he's lost some edge. Right. But, but he never like, had he's that never, much edge to begin he, with. He, he, he's never been, he's never been like his father. Right. Like, He's always been a little more equivocal mm-hmm. and willing to look at more 
maybe equivocal is is sort of a, a unjust way of putting it, but he's he's always had a little more nuance to him, I think, than you know maybe Adama has, and been willing to look at more than one side of things, and been and been willing to like. Even at one point, he admitted, you know, like he read um, Zarek's mm-hmm. book in college, right. and you know, like isn't this isn't like a hardcore like military press person that sort of Adama accuses him of not being here. And, and so I just, I guess I kind of feel like Mm -hmm. I, I don't mean to say that he hasn't like loosened up at all or anything like that certainly seems to be the case, but I also, I also feel like, like maybe Adama is retconning his own son Mm -hmm. a little bit. You know, and trying to say like, you know, you used to be this tough man, and and D as well, yeah. like. Well, and it kind of makes some <coughs> slightly worrying shades to what she says about like, um, what the, all her lines about like how you're more like your father than you realize, and that's one of the reasons I married you. And it's like, do you know who you married? <laughs> like, it kind of does make you wonder right. of like. Was he ever really the man that you thought he was? Like, and not in a creepy way, but did you think you were marrying Adama? Like, did you have a different idea in your head of who it is that you're actually with or what you expect him to be? Um, And that might be the case. It might be that Adama and Dee, who apparently think a lot alike... um, are seeing or wanting Lee to be things that he's not and are being disappointed when he isn't those things. Um, right. Which could be a source of frustration for Lee, which makes him more the way he is, you know, of, well, you're not going to live up to these ideals for either your, yeah, too, your father or your wife. So too bad, too bad. We didn't have this, uh, this episode in line with, uh, last week's Buffy episode where Xander and Anya were like eating all the snacks, oh my gosh, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It could have been, the title could have been like "Pass the Chips" or something. <laughs> yeah, like are those Cool Ranch? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, you know, something right, like that. Right. But yeah, right. Well, and there's um, that too. Like, there's the stereotype of like, well, he's married now, so you know, he just kind of like. Let's yeah, he can let go. himself go. Um, <laughs> like, that is kind of what happens here. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, and... What, all right. So, we need to return to the subject when he, like, loses 80 pounds in, in a, a week. In one week. Like, literally, like, yeah. in, in yeah. two minutes of an episode. It's like... Are we gonna have right. this? Are we yeah, gonna like have this even like in stages? Nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much over. Because now. I mean, it's it's the new year, right? We're still in January, and there's a lot of people interested in like losing that much weight. Yeah. In like, I want that quick of the a Lee period. Adama I would love to weight loss regime. I think. Yeah. What what's the Lee need. diet, right? Yeah. Um. No, and I that is not something <clears> I. I mean, I won't try to defend it. It, it is pretty hilarious and ridiculous and you know not even really there's nothing more to it than that they literally have him lose it overnight he takes like one lap around the glass yes it's like oh yeah oh Oh, that was hard yeah Yeah. um yeah yep i'm looking forward to it um 
I I do like though that they were at least there's a you know there's there's a side of this that I like that they're willing to take that kind of character to you know to do something like mm-hmm. this with him, um, you sure. Know, rather than just let, have him grow a mustache or something, um, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and and you do see like there's other things sort of going on. Like you get like Adama like walking by the flickering light, right, and sort of. A, looking at you know how the the state of the condition and and not just that but like the halls are empty yeah. right not that we have never seen an empty hall in right. the galactica before but like you get the sense that it's like really empty like this is like mm-hmm. you know just not many people walking through the halls these days right. um so right. yeah um but they get so ultimately uh, as it turns out, no, nobody on New Caprica is really sure if there's a raptor or not. Um, mm-hmm. But as it turns out, yes, Adama is sending a raptor back and they're kind of taking shifts um, and listening and they manage to get a signal out. Mm-hmm. And so uh, despite the terrible, you know, practice in the ships in the fighters and despite Lee being fat and sort of the criticisms of you know what's going on there um they do get a message back that there is a resistance going and that they're waiting for Mm -hmm. galactica to show up Mm -hmm. um right so so there so there we have our our motivation for the season, right? Like this is, or at least, you know, the first part of it, you know, this is the, the thing now, like we're, we're ready The the, you know, tender and, and, and the kindling is all set up mm-hmm. and now we just need the match to yeah. light it up. Yeah. Um, so I guess the last bit is um, Adama and Sharon mm-hmm. and sort of the turnabout, uh, you, again, talking about how much difference a year can yeah. make, right? Like the change in their relationship. Um, yep. Do you want to talk through that a little bit, or sure? Um, um, yeah, I mean, things that jump out to me are the fact. I mean, obviously, the the uh, you know openness and warmth that they have between them, which is unlike anything that's even been hinted up to this point. I mean, other than there was a growing maybe understanding or respect between them but actually having little like chats over coffee and everything um is totally Mm -hmm. new despite the fact that sharon is still in jail you know like he's visiting her in her cell where she now has a couch but you know she's still kind of under arrest in a way and so there's a you're not quite sure like exactly how far to take this new relationship and what is the power dynamic here. Um, but Mm. it seems to be genuine on both sides. I mean, Adama says that he feels alone except for her, which is quite a thing to say, um, to a Cylon, um, who looks like the Cylon who tried to kill him. Um, and that Sharon actually like is, you know, in agreement, I guess that like, 
when we last saw her, she was convinced that they had murdered her baby. Um, you know, and so she's in a different place too. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like this and a bunch of other things in this episode, it, it because of the time jump, two time jumps mm -hmm. now, um, they're sort of presented without a lot of context and backstory. They just sort of say, this is the situation, and you don't necessarily know how it got to this point. So it might be something that it's easier to go back once we know more of the story to kind of retroactively, you know, fit the pieces together and everything. Um, but, yeah. um, but it's an interesting further complicating the relationships, just like with all the others of, okay, now we have a Cylon who's a prisoner of the humans, who's still under arrest, but actually seemingly has a really good relationship with, you know, uh, with Adama and everything. Um, and I guess, I mean, the point too about, he says, you know, her speech about being able to forgive himself and everything. And he says, I don't do guilt, but like, obviously that's not true. Um, some seems like that's all he does sometimes. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, just her kind of, uh, speech about how anger and bitterness and resentment don't come out of nowhere, that they're kind of, they're symptoms. They're not the disease, I guess. Like they're the, the mm. products of other deeper feelings. And so if you're angry at Lee, maybe it's not so much about your anger or about him. It might be about something else. Um, and so if you're going to be a good leader, you have to, do the self-examination thing rather than just, you know, right. blame everything on Lee. Um, you know, which seems reasonable. Like the season ended with Adama jumping away, you know, which Adama, remember how Rosalind right. had to convince him to jump away the first time when this, when they were attacked, he wanted to go in and fight. Sure. That's his, that's his instinct is to go down fighting. So it seems natural that he would be kind of wrestling with his decision to leave rather than to stay and kind of go down fighting, I think. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think, uh, I think that covers it for this week then. Um, so we'll be back next week. Um, we've actually got two weeks of Buffy coming up, just mm. fair warning. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, and some more BSG. Sounds good. See you then. Mm -hmm.